Our Grand Prix interviews uh, right throughout the day uh, for Rosito Tools, powering DIYs all day, every day. Well, nearly half a million people will pour into Albert Park between yesterday and Sunday. For this Australian Grand Prix, they're expecting to be among the fastest on the calendar. Matt Kosh will be one of them, and the editor of speedcafe.com joins us on the captain's run. Good morning, Matty. Exciting times. It's massively exciting. Cars are on track today. We saw supercars yesterday, but the, uh, the, the main show... Heads out there today for a couple of practice sessions with uh, with Formula One from was about twelve thirty, so not long to go now. Never ceases to amaze me, Matt, the the surge in popularity of F one. I mean, a, a record crowd at Albert Park last year, and every indication that they'll go north of that this weekend. It is just a, a, an amazing appetite for the sport at the moment. It's huge, and it's not just in Australia. You know, we're seeing that through ticket sales here. You know, they, they sold out about two months earlier than what they did twelve months ago. Uh, but internationally, we're seeing that as well. Other events are also having sellout crowds and, and record numbers and all those sorts of things. So it's uh, it's really encouraging, particularly to me, who makes a living out of Formula One. But, um, yeah, it's, it sort of goes back to that drive to survive. That seems to be what everyone attributes the rise in popularity to. There's a, a whole generation of new fans coming in, which is just which is brilliant. You know, Formula One used to be an old man sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 40 next week, and I'm, I'm on the younger end, or at least I used to be. Uh, so that's that's fabulous to say. I mean, I don't subscribe to the theory that it's just Drive to Survive has, has done that. I think, you know, maybe Formula One being able to reboot so quickly during COVID when we had a captive audience, I think that's a huge part of it as well. So it's it's great to see that you know, we've got this real surge and, uh, you know, to see Melbourne as alive as it is and you can't walk through. Well, has as well, one of my colleagues... Over, uh, went into the circuit yesterday morning as the uh, as the gates opened to the general public, and uh, literally they were running from the gates to get their spot next to the track. Uh, we've never seen that anywhere before at any racetrack. Just quickly, tell us about the circuit, which is obviously a street circuit at, at Albert Park. Now it's received a couple of tweaks relating to DRS zones and, and the like. Can, can, Maddie, can you put that into layman's terms for us, and what means this might be one of the fastest Grand Prix, if not the fastest uh, race on the circuit on the calendar? It's a Albert Park. If you trace it back, actually hosted motorsport back in the nineteen fifties. It's fundamentally the same circuit uh, that it's been since nineteen ninety six. They took a chicane. Uh, onto the lakeside drive and run around the back of the lake. They took a chicane out there that slowed the cars down. Basically, to improve overtaking, the circuit hasn't typically produced great racing. It's been pretty processional because it's got a lot of medium and then small high-speed corners. It doesn't have a lot of braking zones, and that tends to be where Formula 1 cars pass. You know, They use a slipstream in the aerodynamics to, to close up on the car ahead, and then you know go under brakes and, uh, and make the pass. Now, one of the things that Formula One has done in, uh, I say, recent years, but probably been more than ten years now, uh, is introduced a system called DRS, the Drag Reduction System. If you're within a second of the car ahead, you can hit a little button that opens the uh, the rear wing up like a letterbox, and uh, it just reduces the drag that your car has got. You know, uh, there's an equation that means uh, downforce squares with drag and all those sorts of things. So. <laughs> makes a huge difference that you know it can add something like 15 kilometers an hour extra to your top speed so it just allows the cars to get a little bit closer so with another drs zone hypothetically we should see cars getting a little bit closer mm. they won't necessarily be able to pass uh, so the new drs zone is into the fast chicane around the back of the circuit uh but the idea is that it gets them a little bit closer so that 
at the end of that section, the tight right-hander uh, down towards Fitzroy Street, um, I think it's Turn 11, uh, it sets up an opportunity there. The, the DRS zone isn't designed to create a pass, it's designed to create the opportunity. Mm. Oscar Piastri, Matt, I mean, to state the obvious, would dearly love to be among the points at his home race. So an early retirement in Bahrain, 15th in Saudi Arabia, obviously a truckload of support for the McLaren Melbourneian here. But what what do you think is a realistic expectation? I think just getting to the finish at this point, you know, points this year are going to be incredibly difficult to get because you look at the front of the field, you've got four teams that are really clear of everyone else. And those are Red Bull who are dominating at the moment, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Aston Martin. So immediately, if all of those cars get to the end, there's the top eight. Almost uh, every race, that's going to be decided. So you've got ninth and tenth are the only two places that have points left available. And then you've got this group of uh, midfield teams that McLaren's in that group. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a big mm. ask. It will be track dependent as to what... Uh, the McLaren is capable of. So I actually see that as a positive for Oscar. If the car was uh, like McLaren was a few years ago and you know, capable of points and podiums, then the pressure is immediately on him to deliver points and podiums. Because he's now in a midfield car that's, uh, you know, that's in this massive fight, there's no expectation on him. Anything he does, as long as he's somewhere near Lando Norris, who's very highly rated and already he is, he's going to be doing well. His job in the first probably eight to ten races of the season is just learn. He's been out of the car for for a year. Uh, He's got to learn the systems, learn how to race the cars, learn how to work with the team, learn how to get the most out of himself. Um, He's still a little bit rusty from, from that year out. But the encouraging thing is in Saudi Arabia, he was very, very close to Lando Norris. He actually beat him on the racetrack. Mm. Some team orders involved there. But, uh, you know, from speaking to people at McLaren, he's closer to Lando than Daniel was in two years. So already it's a good move from McLaren's side of things. And it's a really encouraging start for, uh, for Oscar. So I don't think we need to put a number on it because you just can't in Formula 1 at the moment, certainly not with that midfield group. But uh, I think if he can be somewhere in and around where Lando Norris is, and the problem is you know, McLaren might have a good weekend this weekend, that Albert Park might suit them. It, it might not, and they might be running uh, mm. you know, sort of 17th and 18th. You mentioned Dan Ricardo, who is another Aussie who's sitting out uh, at the moment and will end up spending some time out of the vehicle. You, you've been in touch with him recently. Matt, what, what's his future look like, do you think? Yeah, I caught up with, uh, with Daniel uh, last evening, actually, and... Uh, He's looking as happy and relaxed as I've ever seen. I've known Daniel for a long, long time. Uh, and he was in a really good place when I caught him uh, last start. Um, we spoke for for a long period. You know, he's he's not yet decided whether he wants to come back or not. But he said that he's sort of leaning towards that. Uh, the, the problem is where, he's, you know, where can he go? Mm. There's not many options out there. But, yeah, he's really enjoying the family time, the uh, the time to spend with uh, friends. You know, he, he said he'd, he's had two months at home over Christmas, and it's the longest period he's spent in Australia since you know, he was a teenager. Um, so he's just really enjoying not being selfish was the word that he used. You know, he's had to be selfish for so long and, and look after himself because that's, that's what the job calls for. So being able to give back and spend time with uh, the people who've supported him and, and sort of return that favour, he's really enjoying that. 
But what surprised him himself was he thought he'd sit around and, and do nothing and, and become a bit of a layabout and eat junk food, and whatever. And he's not when he when he's got nothing to do. He's hitting the gym and he's training and he's doing all the things that a Formula One driver should be doing. So it's still there. And he mm. said to me that you know the, the fizz to get back in a race car is, is there. Um, he's not going to make the decision this weekend. He, he said late last year that uh, you know this weekend will probably be important to, to making that decision. It, it seems as though it's certainly planted seeds that the actual you know checking that final box. That's still a little way down the road, but uh, early indications are that he's keen on a Formula One return. So hopefully we'll see two Aussies on the grid next year. Indeed. We're speaking to Speed Cafe editor Matt Kosh. So Matt, can anyone catch the Red Bulls? I mean, uh, Verstappen, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez have been basically untouchable in the first two races. I think Max might have been a little crook out of the last race. And I suppose the quirk as well, if you're into this sort of thing, is that uh, Red Bulls only managed to score just the one race win at Albert Park in, in what, nearly two decades? Yeah, so it's an interesting statistic, isn't it? And Max Verstappen hasn't had a great record in in Albert Park uh, either. And he said yesterday that one of the reasons for that is that Red Bull in recent years has started slowly. As a result, the car hasn't quite been there. If the race had been at the other end of the season when the car was there, then he'd have a better record there. But two races in... Red Bull have gone 1-2 in both of them so far. They look the class of... Not only have they gone 1-2, they look like they've done it without really breaking a sweat. Mm. Uh, you know, Max Verstappen started 15th in Saudi Arabia. By mid-race, he was up to second. Uh, Sergio Perez had to work hard to then uh, keep him behind. And Sergio said he was pushing uh, pretty hard to keep Max behind him as well in uh, in parts of that race. And that's Max when he's not feeling well. You know, if he was saying that he could barely walk in the days leading up to uh, to that event, that he felt quite ill uh, after his first laps on, on Friday in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, that's an unwell Max Verstappen, and he's still able to carve through the field in half a race. So that car is phenomenal. I, there's a very good chance that it'll sort of, at the end of the year, be remembered and revered in the same way that we do sort of the 1988 McLaren or the 1992 uh, Williams. You know, yeah. It's just one of those cars that that seems to be that dominant and that far ahead that uh, I'm pretty sure if they threw me the keys, I'd actually know I probably couldn't get put on the podium. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so it's a very good car um, with a very, very well-oiled machine uh, supporting them. So the, the only way that Red Bull is going to, to get beaten is if they mm. beat themselves, I think. And that's probably reliability or hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a bit of drama and uh, and Sergio and Max start to uh, start yeah. to really scrap it out. I'd, I'd, I'd back you on pole, Matty, to be honest. Hey, just, <laughs> just just before we let you go, the pit lane paddock's always a fascinating watch. I mean, there's celebrities in there, there's drivers in there, there's big personalities in there, everyone's strutting around. Now, Michael Massey's at Albert Park at the moment, given, of course, he's chairman of the Supercars Commission. I mean, what if he were to bump into someone like Lewis Hamilton back there, who, of course, we know uh, accused him of manipulating the race, among other things, a couple of years ago and obviously costing him the title. I did see a comment from Lewis yesterday that he simply had nothing to say to Michael. I mean, can you see them crossing paths at some point? It's quite possible because I bumped into Michael Massey a couple of times in the paddock yesterday. Um, you know, the supercars, paddock and race control, uh, 
you've got to walk through the Formula One paddock to get there. Uh, so Michael's frequently making that mm. trip uh, with his uh, with his supercars role now, um, and he's also still got a number of friends in in the FIA. So while Lewis might not be sending him a Christmas card, you know, he's got one person. Uh, you know, the conversations that I had with uh, with him and a few others in the paddock uh, yesterday were all. We're all very positive, all very happy, and, and Michael himself looks so relaxed. He looks so healthy. Um, you know, he's a long way from the man that, uh, that was in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago in that in that race. So I don't think that uh, Michael will lose any sleep over uh, over Lewis, and similarly, I don't think Lewis will lose any sleep over Michael. It's just it's one of those things. They'll both uh, I don't know. They'll give each other a wide berth. They just they just probably won't bother um, if they walk past each other. They might give Give a, you know, sort of a little nod, but they're not going to stop and uh, and have a chat. Um, but I think there will be some drivers who would have a chat. Max Verstappen, for instance. Um, there are a number of others that also supported uh, Michael quietly during that process. So, yeah, I think Michael Lewis uh, is fine in, in, in the Formula 1 paddock. And it's interesting to see the dynamic because I was curious to see how that response would be. Because it's the first time he's been back in the F1 paddock since... Uh, since Abu Dhabi 21. So, yeah, it was really fascinating to see. But, uh, but yeah, really positive that um, he looks great and he was getting a warm reception. Well, there's going to be a stack of action at uh, Albert Park today, Matty. Formula One practice sessions among that. Qualifying tomorrow, obviously race day Sunday for this race three of the Formula One season. A massive crowd will be there. Really appreciate your insights this morning. Thanks for your time. Always, thank you. Matty Kosh there from Speed Cafe. Off the text from Glenn, I've been an F1 fan for over 40 years and have been to the Melbourne Formula One race previously. It's disappointing that the Albert Park track, which is so boring, Glenn says, is what we offer to the world. Major changes are needed and making it faster won't help. Um, Hopefully we do get a good race, a really good one, and Red Bull can be challenged. Every practice, every qualifying session and race is live in 4K Ultra HD on Foxtel, and you can stream it on KO Sports, of course. And our Grand Prix coverage here at SEN is for Rosito Tools, powered by Einhell, German-designed quality driving power and performance for DIYers all day, every day.